This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Welcome back to the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast with me, the Catholic Movie Guy. This week is uh, something special. I was asked recently to be on Iowa Catholic Radio, The Uncommon Good, a show with our old friends, uh, Dr. Bud Marr and Bo Bonner. And we did a summer movie roundup. So in lieu of a podcast this week, I decided to uh, get this out there because uh, you may be wondering what to see or whatever. And uh, we give our takes on not every movie, of course, that's come out, but most of the movies of the summer. So hope you enjoy, and thank you to Iowa Catholic Radio for uh, letting me put this on my feed. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Bud Marr. We are coming to you live from the Mercy Live Up studio in Des Moines, Iowa. 11.50 a.m., 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, streaming live, iowacatholicradio.com. And if you have the Blessman Ministries app and the people... Oh, excuse me, the Iowa Catholic Radio app brought to you from Blessman's Ministries and People's Abstract Company, you can listen to us darn near tootin' anywhere. But how are you doing today? Great. What's your favorite place to listen to Iowa Catholic Radio? Are you a treadmill guy? No, I'm, I, I'm very much not a treadmill guy. <laughs> Um, when you go to sleep at night. That's right. I I have a big poster of John Leonetti that um, <laughs> when I and a weighted blanket that I put on and I look at him and listen to Iowa Catholic Radio. I go to sleep, just a deep, deep sleep with like a warm cup of milk and yeah, a little, uh, little bit of honey. Right. But in- the Leonetti poster is really what's crucial to the whole yeah, incense burning. <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> you, you knew where this was going. <laughs> We're going to bring it back. But no descriptor for Des Moines this morning. Yeah, well. It was Sapphire two weeks ago, then Emerald. Well, I'm trying to decide because it, 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 it decided to actually rain, right? Yeah, it's spinning at us. I've been praying for rain. This is a good start. You've been praying for rain? You have crops? <laughs> you just wanted rain. I, I, don't I always pray for rain. When, I, when we lived in Durham, North Carolina, we lived through a historic drought. Right. So it's just a... Um, it's a habitual thing for me. That's why if you ever are in a Mar household, there are buckets in the... Uh, no, like literally, you have buckets in your shower, and you use the excess water. And, but I always know that people are like, what, what's these buckets for? It drives my wife crazy. We've got buckets in the shower, and I catch my shower water. My uh, my mother-in-law was like, one of the children is going to drown in those buckets. It's like, Well, <laughs> that's why we call you Bud Captain Planet Mar. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as always, uh, underwritten um, by rain. I mean, like, if it wasn't for rain, bud, there wouldn't be crops and this show wouldn't be possible. But also, <laughs> underwritten by Mercy College of Health Sciences, uh, really hitting the home stretch of summer. Yeah. Uh, we got over the midterm humps. Now we're getting people to uh, get ready to, to gear up to be done and then, you know, start right back up with the fall semester. If you're interested, uh, we, I think there's still time to sign up for all sorts of programs. Um, we actually have new student orientation today. That's why, but if you could see, Bud and I are in matching clothes. We actually do that far less than I think some people realize. <laughs> uh, but then also, hey, if you want to, if you just want to Sit in on a class. I'm teaching New Testament this semester, so you should let me know. Uh, Call the station, look at Facebook, or email me. We'll get you into that class. But having him read a lot of Boltman and Father Raymond Brown. That's right. Just just the (laughs) the real boring. It starts with sacred scripture, right? Starts and ends with sacred scripture. Good. Also, as always, underwritten by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high performance printing products that help you save. Time, money, and print, great. One of my favorite underwriters, Joe, he's great. And, I, well, I can't give in. You know, local, business, family-owned, 
good, strong Catholic guy. We still like him, even though it's basketball. It's not basketball season, yeah. but it'll be basketball <laughs> season soon enough. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online cartridgeworld.com. Today, bud, we have um, one of our all-starriest of uh, Uncommon Good All-Stars. Yeah. Steve Whitmer, the Catholic movie guy. There's been tons of great movies this summer, and we thought that what was really due up was having him on to talk about how wonderful uh, summer stuff has been. I'm nervous about today's show. I don't know, you and you and Steve do, the Catholic movie guy, do a much better job of budgeting time to get out to the theaters. No. For me, once the kids go to sleep, I just kind of crash. Yeah, but so that's what, I mean, I do, I just choose to go crash in a movie theater. But, uh... <laughs> I don't go to sleep. I mean, uh, th- that's our, our problem, right? That's that's the secret reason they moved us from 10 to 11, but as they knew that we're notorious night owls and yeah. they were tired of worrying about whether we'd get here at 8.30. So you crash in the theater? No, I just uh, zone out at the theater and I get oh. to like, you know, totally get involved. Because in I thought you were combining it with the start of the show. Like maybe that's where you hang your John Lee no. poster <laughs> no, that's with in your the weighted morning. blanket. That's when I get back from, from a really good movie. And all the other moviegoers like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I bring my t- John Leonetti t-shirt. We really have uh, advertised a whole line of John Leonetti products that don't exist yet, so <laughs> we need to get on that, folks. I'm sure he's on top of them. That's right. Well, hey, we'll be back in a minute, folks, with Steve Wickmer, not G- John Leonetti products. Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy. Stick around, the Uncommon Good Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at cindyschulte.com. 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. Strength, Stability, Service, and Robert Coda. That's what you can count on with Farm Bureau Financial Services. Robert Coda, your Farm Bureau agent in Central Iowa, here to help people like you through all stages of life. He can make it simple to help protect what is most important to you, your family, cars, home, and future. Farm Bureau makes insurance simple. Robert Coda, 515-961-4555 or online at robert.coda at fbfs.com. Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online at cartridgeworld.com. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a part of a Dowling Catholic Sports broadcast? If you love sports, you're responsible, and have a basic knowledge of computers, you would be the perfect addition to our sports broadcasting team here at Iowa Catholic Radio. We're looking for a part-time soundboard operator to help broadcast Dowling sports. It's a great way to get started and gain experience in the broadcasting industry. Your hours will vary week to week, and coverage of the games is typically in the evening. If you're interested in the position, please call us at 515-223-1150 and ask for Tony. Or email us at careers at iowacatholicradio.com, and let's play ball. We're back with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. Like I said, we have up an, an all-star among all-stars on the Uncommon Good. Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy, is joining us to have a summer movie rundown extravaganza. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well. 
Are thanks, you, uh, thanks again for having me. Are you ready to be extravagant, my friend? Uh, I was actually looking for more information on where to get that John Leonetti poster. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Stand okay, thank by. you. During the, break, during the break, we were also scheming John Leonetti bobbleheads. Oh, yeah. And they'd yeah. be like um, yeah. promotional items at Iowa Cubs games, first 10,000. Yeah, you'll just, you'll just be printing money at that point. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> what about, yeah, Steve Wickmer, uh, Catholic Movie Guy bobbleheads. You guys got that in the works, too? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Because you guys can just remake uh, <laughs> Matheny bobbleheads, which are not really in that great of circulation. Just put your face on it. Like, I was I was told there would be no Matheny discussion on today's okay. broadcast. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Especially after... <laughs> We we will say, Steve, what you really missed out is we had a wonderful time. We were in a bar with John Leonetti, and the one time the Cardinals really beat the Cubs this year, we all were together. So that was good. Nice. good. Otherwise, it's not been good. Hey, Steve, we, we didn't really warn you. This is kind of an intervention today. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering, there was, kind of, there was a lag in the podcast for a few weeks. I was getting worried. Yeah, I mean, real. You know, I am. Uh, I do love the movies. That's my shtick, yeah. and it's true. Uh, and as Bo was saying, I love to, you know, crash by going to the movies instead of falling asleep on my couch. But real life does intrude. I do have a wife and children, and, and they were really, really getting in the way for a while. So hopefully, uh, now <laughs> no some of those place. some of those unimportant things out of the way, I can get back to watching movies. Well, at, you also, at a record. You pace. also had you had tech uh, tech problems, right? So that 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 happens to all good people out there in this day and age. Yeah, I don't know if it was related to that malware thing that was going around uh, a while back, but my computer bit the dust. So yeah, we we're, we're back up and running now at full. The speed. Russians are just after like the freedoms that make America what it is, like mo- <laughs> movie commentary. <laughs> exactly. So okay, no, uh, Steve. There's been I, I I think it's not hyperbolic to say there's been some really good movies this summer, and movies that I think are very thought provoking. Uh, movies that are just also just nice to watch, good for the family. Um, but I really think, you know, going back to our last conversation and talking about why it is that movies have become a, an important discussion and sounding bar- board for anybody interested in art, but especially Catholics worried about the sort of public nature of art. Um, I, I want to really throw out that we've been blessed this summer to have movies that I think could get some interesting conversations started. And I wonder if you uh, thought the same. Yeah, I, I definitely do, and uh, even in a, in a couple type of uh, genres that you wouldn't expect that to be the case, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, in some somewhere you would. Uh, but yeah, this summer's been very rich with movies that I think will stand the test of time and that convey truth, beauty, goodness in a way that's not you know the classic didactic um, story of the saints, which has has its place too, but uh, in a different, more broadly appealing way. Well, let's start with, um, we were talking about doing an intervention for you. Let's shame Bud real quick. <laughs> Bud, have you watched any movies this summer? I'm more of a DVD guy because <laughs> <laughs> I can pause and go get popcorn or discipline my children. Okay. But, but I I don't think I've been to the theater since Rogue One, maybe. Hot Seven? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. well, to be fair, um, Bud does take your advice, Steve, because after we had... Um, the wonderful discussion about Arrival a few yeah. times back. Um, we He brings it up in class all the time. No, it's great. I think it's a very pro-life film, thought-provoking. I mean, there's there's a lot there. So um, that that's going back to a, an old movie that it, I think you can get in Redbox and stuff now. 
as far as this summer movie, I have seen way too many as well this summer, Steve. What ones do you want to start off with? You want to start off with, let's start off with kids' movies. Everybody presumably likes kids, right? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about that. But yeah, uh, and, and almost no one likes kids' movies, you right. know, if they're, <laughs> if they're done in the classic way. But yeah, so there, there were two, I guess, big kids' movies this summer that I saw, and I think that you saw as well. Um, Cars 3 and Despicable Me 3, which continues the, you know, sequelitis that we've had of the past decade, but um, does so more or less successfully. I, I think that Bo and I kind of disagreed on Cars 3, so we might want to start there a little bit. Well, uh, you know, for me, I'm with you that sometimes w- when you're when you're swimming, you know, it's when you like are, uh, I'll put it this way, I'm going to admit something on radio that I'm not proud of. We ate at CC's yesterday. You guys, you guys know CC. Ain't right? no shame in that game, but right. oh. there's shame in that game. There is shame in that game because that means there's that indigestion in that game. That, but. There is indigestion, yeah. and then also that means that I didn't wash dishes. So we went to CC's, <laughs> and I'm just going to say this, Steve, as an example: the CC's in Des Moines for being a CC's, pretty good. All right, not too bad. And so what I think happened for me is among sequels, which I'm attributing the same characteristics of eating at CC's, Steve. Comparatively, Cars Three wasn't so bad. That's my take. Yeah, I you know I wish I could get there. And, and when going in, because the reviews I, I think have been pretty mediocre to slightly positive. I think that's the general take. This is like a you know a six out of ten kids movie. It, it does what it does, and it gets in and gets out. You're going to be not offended. You'll be entertained for the for the hour and a half, and that'll be that. And I just I was bored to tears. And you know I love movies. I mean I, even bad movies I can usually find some pleasure in. But this movie was so milk toast that it actually to me was almost worse than if it had been a disaster. Um, <laughs> I, I I I literally literally fell asleep during it, which I wow. don't do. I'm not quite you know I'm not quite uh, elderly yet. Uh, Hold on, Steve. We cars we, by the numbers. I don't know. Yeah. We teach youngins, and they use literally to mean figuratively. So. Were you using right. it literally so, or figuratively? So I figuratively was awake. Dreaming uh, okay. about a decent Cars movie. I will say this. I watched it with my, with my kiddos, and we watched it at a, drive, uh, a drive-in movie theater, so I think that helped. It kind of was like, you know, ambiance or whatnot. But I'm with you. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad, but yeah. Not I'm, too bad, not too good. If you, but, you know, if you compare it to um, the prior one, Cars 2, which uh, I, I also vividly remember being traumatized by in the theater in a totally different way because it was just a flaming disaster from yes. start to finish. What did I do? Why did I spend my money, et cetera? I would prefer watching that again because at least it made me feel something. This movie <laughs> made me feel nothing. I just want to feel again. You sound like a, exactly. a 90s band. Um, okay, and then I am a 90s band. This, <laughs> Despicable Me 3. You know, I will, I'll say this about that one. I didn't get to watch it, but I, I got like a word-for-word commentary from my children. And it sounds like it's around the same sort of thing, like not too bad, but pretty much uh, Despicable Me by the numbers again. Yeah, so this, so the reviews were about the same for this one, but to me it was much more satisfying, maybe because my expectations were lower. Right. Maybe because I just kind of go in for that, the Gru humor of that movie, you know, for a kid's movie, kind of that dark humor. Right. Um, it's nothing to write home about or anything, but you know, it had positive family messages, kind of like Cars. But unlike Cars, for me, it was more entertaining. I actually laughed during it. And there was still nothing particularly offensive, so I would give it like a solid six out of ten. You know, it, it, I didn't feel like I wasted my money, but certainly nothing to to compare to the great Pixar or DreamWorks movies of old. This is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We're talking with 
the Catholic movie guy, Steve Wickmer. You know, that might say a lot about our culture where we're, we're heralding the summer movies because they weren't that bad or offensive. <laughs> but I kind of think that's a moral achievement sometimes with kids' movies. Especially because, I'll say this, you, there seems to always be one kid movie per summer that the whole premise is like, aren't parents stupid and shouldn't you not listen to them? And I don't. Th- I, f- I feel like exactly. we didn't have that movie this summer. That was kind of nice. Yeah. If well, that I don't know. That might be this emoji movie, which I will not see. I will not no watch matter. emoji. Even movie if either, someone yeah. pays me to see it, I will not see it. Right. Um, so we could still have that. But these these movies, correct, did not have that junior knows best, as uh, another great reviewer Stephen Gerdonis likes to say that the parents are always wrong vibe. That's that's not present in these. But I was a little hesitant when you when you said, oh, it's a summer of great movies. Let's talk about the kids movies because yeah, those are probably two of the the worst movies I saw uh, this summer. But you know you're right. Do do no harm is the first principle. Do no you know, harm first, is the first principle. The, fir- the first the first principle of Catholicism is don't sin. You know, then try to work on your virtue, but just try not to sin. And these movies don't sin, so they're fine. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, like I always want to do, I always want to do the worst first and then get progressively better. So I'm with you. Kids movies, not too bad, forgettable. Hey, that's sometimes a victory in itself. But let's move on to some movies that that I actually think are truly memorable. What do you want to start with first? So I, of the of the ones that I saw this summer that I really want to talk about, I have two categories. I have kind of the two transcendent, and then I have the superhero movies. So we'll we'll go with whichever ones you want to start with there. But you didn't watch any of them. Which one do you want to start with? Um, I know which one you guys are headed towards because I I'm guessing you're big fans of Dunkirk. So we should maybe save that for last. Okay. We we can kick off with superhero films. Superhero films, it is. Go ahead, Steve. So I guess there were three uh, major superhero films in, in recent days. Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, the Wonder Woman movie, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess starting with Wonder Woman, you know, I had never been a fan of Wonder Woman, and of course I wasn't really a fan of any of the DC movies. And I think the consensus is true with this one, that it's kind of the most marvelized of the DC movies. It actually has a little bit of levity and humor and doesn't, you know, within the ridiculous realm of a, like, demigod superhero uh, waging World War One, has uh, some groundedness and doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. I heard that, um, uh, th- what, what are they calling it? I think they're calling it the gridded teeth ratio was uh, way down for this one, that people opened their mouth and didn't talk like this, like, for exactly. over 50%. So, uh, I, and what I hear uh, very uniformly from people who liked the movie, is it's finally a, a, a superhero that they remember from comic books of old that actually cares about humanity, loves humanity, and, and is at least showing that they're striving to be good and that maybe the DC universe has forgotten that a bit uh, and, and sort of skipped straight to the dark existential part where s- seemingly to forget that in the superhero genre we had like 80 years of them being really really good guys before we got to the existential crisis right yeah we she she's like the first and her portrayal by uh gal gadot is great too she's she's like she aspires to greatness she has no irony or sarcasm about her whatsoever there's no uh moral dilemma where she's you know questioning her purpose or or what's it all for that sort of thing is largely bypassed. I, I mean obviously there's a dilemma it's a movie but um it was a refreshing take in comparison to say batman versus superman right and so then the other question too is 
uh, we got done speaking about kids' movies. Like, how old do you think a kid should have to be before they watch this one? I know some people point out that one of the frustrating things with a lot of superhero movies is there's these big battles that if you were, like, taking body counts, you're like, oh, well, that throwing that creature into that uh, skyscraper probably just killed 3,000 people and they don't <laughs> seem to care. So uh, is it toned down in that way or is it, you know, not... What what so, age would you throw out there? Well, th- this is a complicated question because I I'm not nearly as troubled by violence as some other parents might be, especially in comparison to say you know sexual content. You live in St. Um, Louis, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have to be used to it here. Right. Uh, but I think that you know w- with kids, it's like if a building goes down, I don't think the kids really process. Wow, five thousand people just died. And I think one particularly gruesome killing of one person would affect a kid far more than a city being blown up okay right. yeah. so on that in that way i know i don't think the violence is is so strong i wouldn't send a, a you know an adolescent to to see the movie but i will say that there is a problem with this movie it's pg-13 there's a problem with the new spider-man movie also pg-13 that kind of plagues all these movies which is they're not just trying to straddle the line between grown-up and kid as far as quality goes. You know, obviously, I think that even a child's movie should be of a quality that a grown-up won't fall asleep during it, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are upping the adult innuendo. And, like, there's a – it's kind of funny from an adult perspective, but an extended scene or two in here where, you know, Wonder Woman has lived on an island of, of, of exclusively women her whole life. And she encounters her first uh, male person, and the hilarity that ensues there of, a, of an innuendo nature. I'm sure you can fill in the jokes yourself. Right. But just stuff that would prevent me from saying, you know, oh, seven, seven-year-old, nine-year-old, you can watch this, whereas otherwise I probably would be fine with it. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, there, I don't know, maybe this is me just being too familiar with the movies. Um, like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 kind of wear on its sleeve, it seems to me, that they are not for children. Um, maybe I'm wrong about this one. I always kind of got that, like even just from the commercials. Uh, I was wondering about Wonder Woman and Spider-Man Homecoming because both of those seem to be saying like uh, approaching or trying to to recalibrate that sort of innocence that is uh, it, that a lot of people I think see in superhero movies. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the thing that kind of bothered me. Like Exactly like you said, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know going in that that's not really a kid's movie at all. Um, same thing with a movie like Deadpool, which is far worse. I don't want to focus on that. But those are clearly marketed to adults. But with a character like Wonder Woman, a character like Spider-Man, I mean, if, if kids can't go see that, that's a real shame. And I, I feel like if they had just excised from each movie um, maybe two scenes uh, that have, were particularly unnecessary, then they would be totally fine. Whereas, you know, they just have to do this. But I, I laugh because I don't know if you go back and watch movies from your youth, that you remember being totally, you know, fine. Your parents let you watch them, and then you notice all the right. innuendo, and you're like, "Huh, I guess there was no like pure point in the past where no, the these eight, children's movies existed." The '80s were very bad, actually, about that. Yeah. This new Spider-Man movie, Steve, it looks kind of like, um, almost, not really a sequel, but a reboot. That they're they're trying to capture something different than the most recent Spider-Man films. Yeah, so it's it's actually both, and it's kind of cool in that. Um, I mean, he, Spider-Man made his first appearance of recent in this reboot uh, world in uh, the last Captain America movie. And so they start this movie, and, and I'm kind of hesitant because, you know, you had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and then you had the uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. So it's like, are we going to get his backstory again, see the spider biting his hand again, you know, because everyone knows it. 
no, they just skip all of that and go straight into the story. And I thought that was, you know, just right. We don't need to have the entire uh, mythos of Spider-Man regurgitated for the third time in ten years. So I appreciate that about it. But it is a a, a wholly unique reboot in the sense that. Despite the fact they're not giving the backstory, it has nothing to do uh, continuation-wise with the Tobey Maguire or the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Yeah, the old Tugboat Maguire ones, three of the... uh, It's funny how, like, just by sheer amount, like how many Spider-Man movies that we have, because uh, I I think you're right. The the big temptation is to see the flaw in some old movies, uh, you you know, franchise-wise. I think they've been doing this with, like, the Fantastic Four and there needs to be a rule in the the movie Ten Commandments: Do not make another Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> yeah, some things you know, it's like the in the in the legal world they call it the fruit of the poisonous tree. It's like, with all due respect, that that concept just never really worked for me. There's something inherent in them that makes it difficult to take seriously, and uh, I think all the reboots have borne that out. But with Spider-Man, I think it's different. Uh, Bo, you made the point in the past on the podcast, actually, that, you know, the reason great stories and, you know, this isn't the Iliad or anything, but the reason good stories get told and told again is because they're good. And so taking another shot, realizing that the other Spider-Man movies didn't exactly hit a home run, maybe they just hit a a single or double is fine with me. Um, But at the same time, we don't have to belabor it. We all know it's Spider-Man. So let's get going and see what the new one's like. That's one thing that's always interested me, too, is, like, what ends up working or not. I mean, Spider-Man, I, I think, like you said, it's obvious that if people will just, I, I, you know, pay attention to the source material, you can do really interesting things. Guardian in the Galaxy is one that makes no sense. My brother and I are actually, I mean, if you want to talk about us being the dorkiest, geekiest, happy we've been in a long time, is that a comic book that is so strange and really absolutely forgettable was has been turned into two really fun, interesting, and for as sort of toilet humor as it can be, both of those movies sometimes have some really poignant observations that I'm actually really impressed by. They are definitively not for everyone, especially uh, people listening on Iowa Catholic Radio, to be honest. But I have to admit, for all of their sort of uh, you know gross-out humor that they can sometimes delve into, both of those movies have some really interesting questions to ask on a sort of philosophical level and it's just funny that a talking raccoon and tree like can be made into a better movie than uh, some of these other well-established comics yeah you know uh you you talking about it just got me thinking it's kind of like in, in pop music in a, in a different way like i want to hold your hand like how ridiculous is that song there's like three words you know there's like three chords it's nothing um but it obviously resonates with people because it it just focuses on what it does what uh, you know well and doesn't take itself too seriously for the form and i think in comic book movies uh you can stand to benefit from that sort of a thing instead of making like some 17 minute prog rock uh opera like uh, Batman versus Superman that leaves everyone kind of like, what? what? What did I just watch? You know, right. that wasn't really satisfying. You just do what you do well, and you actually end up being profound and resonating in the little things that you actually do say better than uh, if you tried too hard. Well, just as a matter of historical interest, do you guys think it was, was it the first Spider-Man that really kicked off the this like new comic book era? Oh, bud, you've waded into a big nerd <laughs> debate about this one. I want to hear what Steve says, and then I'm going to throw out mine. But Go ahead, Steve. I mean, I don't know. You know, there were other uh, comic book movies, but yeah, that's generally accepted through revisionist history or otherwise as the, the new comic book era starts. So that is in preparation false. for this... Sh- that is yeah, okay. Well, we'll get, we, you, you know, it's pedantic. Who it's cares? Blade. It, <laughs> Blade, Blade oh, started all really? of this. 
Yeah, well, we could maybe say that Blade started the spirit of DC Comics and uh, Spider-Man started the spirit of Marvel Comics uh, right. universe, maybe. But I rewatched the uh, the t- the first two uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, in yeah. in preparation for the show because I take this seriously. You know, I put my reps <laughs> in. I don't just sit. I don't just sit down and start talking. I, I got to watch movies. You know, right? Uh, I'm and sorry. they really they they have not aged well. I must say. No, they have not. And oh. uh, X Men, some of the first ones, mm. not aging all that well. Blade, though, I really sound like Wesley Snipes has paid me money here. Uh, Blade, actually, the first one, pretty good, because that thing was, was that the 90s, or was that early 2000? any rate, I'm with you, the, the first Spider-Man, they, they were just begging to be redone. But we're not leaving this era, because when studios need, you know, when they go, they always go back to the well of the comic books. This okay. is, these are the big money makers. Well, they are now, but of course, people used to think that they were dead ends. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're going to go real nerdy, Steve, right, we've got to talk about the first Batman and how like, people were like straight out amazed that the Michael Keaton Batman movie with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I mean, people just thought it wouldn't work, and it was massive. Yeah, and you know, uh, I think that this has something to do with our, our cultural... Uh deficit of of this generation like i think that comic books are so big now because they're one of the few things that people can actually get behind and in a weird way they've become like this pop culture history that unite people in this way of explaining the world in a weird way you see this with like harry potter explaining politics all the time to a hilarious degree right uh I just, I, I don't know, I guess, I think that it's tapping into something or maybe pointing to something that we're lacking as a unified uh, culture. Well, you know, what's funny about this is my brother, who is far more a comic book nerd than I ever was and still is, he points out that as much as comic books are just killing it in theaters, like comic book movies, comic books actually are bleeding readers left and right. So it's it's funny that, like, right when, like, we think superhero movies... Like you said, like if people want to yeah. go to the well, they just do a superhero movie. But when it comes to actually comic books, it's like even that's too much reading for people <laughs> at this point. People, people are lazy and reading is hard, man. Oh, gee whiz. Well, hey, we're actually coming up on uh, the 1030 break. So, Steve, you're going to be able to stick around with us and come back the second half hour? I suppose I could stick around. Ah, that's very sweet of you. It's almost, dare I say, heroic. <laughs> I went there, people. All right, well, stick around. Uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We'll see you in a bit. Basic knowledge of computers, you would be the perfect addition to our sports broadcasting team here at Iowa Catholic Radio. We're looking for a part-time soundboard operator to help broadcast downlink sports. It's a great way to get started and gain experience in the broadcasting industry. Your hours will vary week to week, and coverage of the games is typically in the evening. If you're interested in the position, please call us at 515-223-1150 and ask for Tony. Or email us at careers at iowacatholicradio.com. And let's play ball. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at cindyschulte.com. 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. 
Iowa Catholic Radio's Encounter Jesus one-week challenge is evangelization made easy. You can share God's word by telling friends and family about Catholic Radio and invite them to listen for one week. According to the Catholic Radio Association, those that listen to Catholic Radio are 95% more spiritually engaged, 94% increase their time in prayer, and 62% increase their confession attendance. Just invite others and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Let's all pray that more people will encounter Jesus. Thank you, Blessman International, for sponsoring the Iowa Catholic Radio app. If you have always wanted to share the compassionate heart of Christ with orphans and vulnerable children around the world, Blessman International leads teams from around the United States to South Africa every year. Their feeding programs are also providing nutritional support to nearly 7,500 children each week. Teams are forming now. So to learn how you can go on a life-changing trip, go to BlessmanInternational.org or Call 515-343-5920. We're back with The Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We have as our guest today the Catholic movie guy, Steve Wickmer. Steve, we forgot to say this at the top of the hour. Where can people go to listen to your podcast? Thank you. I was wondering where my legions of fans would uh, would want to go. <laughs> they will go to catholicmovieguy.com. And you can also subscribe on iTunes or whatever your favorite uh, podcast obtainer is. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a really strong-handled way to put that obtainer. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, we talked about kids' movies, talked about superhero movies. I don't know if we'd want to call these last ones we want to bring up serious movies, but I, I would say that when I, when I opened the show and said that there's been a really strong showing for movies this summer, it's probably what we have in mind. Um, so, you know, the, the two that come off the, 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 my head immediately, uh, Dunkirk, uh, a lot of people are talking about the movie, uh, Baby Driver, maybe not as many people, but the people who are, are very enthusiastic about it. And then we also have War of the Planet of the Apes, which is the, the, the pinnacle, the finishing off of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. So, uh, yeah, Steve, which one do you want to talk about first? Do you want? I want to save Baby Driver for for last because it was by far my favorite movie of the year. All right. Um, and then we can we can either uh, talk about Planet of the Apes and I will rip it, uh, contra to popular opinion, or oh. I will join in the adulation for Dunkirk. Which what, what you don't you like about Planet of the Apes? Well, before we get to the, the specific <laughs> third movie, so Bud and I have seen the other two. Um, I actually really liked the first two of the trilogy. But what what did you think? Oh yeah, they're solid films. I mean, I've always liked the premise of the film, and it sort of turns things on its head. So, so Steve, before you rip into the third one, did you like the other two or not? I did. Yes, very yeah. much so. Okay, because uh, what I want to tell the audience is that the first two, it's another one where you would think like monkeys shooting at people would not have heavy philosophical import, and if you've seen the originals, yeah, I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. I know that. Deacon Tony Valdez is a big original Planet of the Apes guy. No? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it can be kind of... It can be a bit... It can be a bit cheesy. But the new two, the first two, I was extremely impressed by. And I think does a good job of bringing up, again, really philosophical questions. You're not impressed with the third one, though, right? So, I mean, I am way out on a limb here uh, because it's been universally acclaimed. So I recognize that I may be wrong. It happens, I would say, once every three, four years. Um, <laughs> but it's possible. I'll, I'll admit that. The first two, okay, the first one, I think it, it was 
it, it did not have the the same philosophical undertones. It was a little lighter, a little more of just a summer escapist romp. Right. The second one is where you start to get heavy, and that's when uh, the new director, whose name I believe is Matt Reeves, if memory is correct, um, took over. And I started, and I, I did like the second one. Don't get me wrong, but I started to have some reservations at that point. But I thought, you know, this is getting great reviews. It's going to blow me away. So I went to the theater, and I was ready to be blown away. And instead, I, I think I just finally hit that wall. I think there was about, I'd say, three times in this movie where I wanted to just stand up in the theater and shout, you know, we're, we're watching a movie about talking monkeys, right? right. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, the premise breaks down in a way that, that the original one with Charlton Heston, Get Your Hands Off Me, right. did not because it was clear that these are actors in ape costumes. So you're ready to kind of, in a way, the fakeness allows you to accept the allegory uh, teaching elements a little more easily. Ah, okay. Whereas in this one, these—I mean, this Andy Circus is fantastic as the as the main character Caesar. I mean, it's 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 like these are real apes talking. There's no hint of artifice. The special effects are amazing. Cinematography is beautiful. Uh, I can't really criticize it on those grounds. It's just that it's so heavy. And um, I can't remember which review I was reading, but someone made this point, and I think it's very good, especially when we con- contrast this to Dunkirk, which is, which is know, real a life. More, yeah, yeah. much more realistic yeah. uh, film. That this is kind of the Nolanization, Christopher Nolanization of a of the of a talking monkey movie, and I love Christopher Nolan. Okay, he's one of my favorite directors. So that that's not necessarily a criticism, but it's just like. There's no humor in this movie. There is a funny character. There's a talking monkey played by Steve Zahn who does his Steve Zahn thing, and that's funny. But, like, the the main character, Caesar, I don't know if he ever smiles. He never laughs. There's no let-up in the doom and gloom, and it's a, you know, it's all-out war for the, for the planet of Earth. So, I mean, it's justified in a way, but it's unrelenting. And at a certain point, I just hit the breaking point of, man, this is kind of ridiculous. Also... Um, you know, it's a kind of a pastiche, like talking monkeys do apocalypse now meets the great escape. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, when you say it like that, it sounds, it sounds it awesome. Sounds bad, actually, what are you talking I'm about? Giving it like a yeah. one out of 10, but it just did not work for me. Steve, now that you say that I did read a, a review that said it leans misanthropic and you know, the, the classic planet of the apes, it kind of, to me, it puts humanity in its place. It, it, it changes our perspective on things and it, it kind of asks us, like, what's our place in the universe? And we assume that we're civilized and advanced, but maybe the story of progress needs to be reassessed. But I've, I've heard that this one almost becomes kind of misanthropic, like it's kind of down on humanity in a well, way. Well, Woody Harrelson has it's... somehow managed to be the leader of humanity in this one, so <laughs> that might say enough. I think, I think that's wonderful. He's come a long way from Cheers, but yeah, but I... I agree completely. Uh, it is misanthropic. You're, you're definitely on the ape side by the end of it. It's not just that. It's one of those things where there's not really one redeemable human except for one, uh, without spoiling the movie, who cannot speak. So insofar as the humans are sentient and able to talk, they're really irredeemable as a whole. And I, I, no one's pointed this out, but it did rub me the wrong way that Woody Harrelson is the only character in any of these movies who seems to believe in some sort of a religious aspect, very clearly displayed. He's wearing a, a cross necklace when he's giving one of his horrible <laughs> speeches that no one could defend. He has a, he's a, a crucifix or cross prominently displayed in his room and i also i believe a holy card and that rubbed me the wrong way too like of course the worst human of all these terrible humans who are all irredeemable is catholic you know they're yeah. just bothering. time to bring back mark Wahlberg. 
You do realize? Yeah, have you guys repressed the memory of that one? Yeah, I was I was almost not going to mention that, yeah. but this is another one. This is the, a, a third take on a, on a franchise. So, but literally that one, that one was supremely awful. And I remember like they made a big pit. I forget which uh, fast food like fast food chain like cups were shaped like apes and everything, and everybody hated that movie. And I generally like who's the director? Um, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. I, gen- yeah. I I mean, he does some interesting stuff, but that was. That was unwatchable. Oh wow! But 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 yeah. But you know, I can't really criticize this movie on aesthetic grounds purely because yeah. it's well done for what it is. It's just it's more of a overall. Come on, you know that sort of thing. It it, it didn't work for me. Didn't well, work for me. Speaking of Christopher Nolan and something that totally works, let's talk about Dunkirk. Uh, I I I would tell everyone who is listening to figure out a time to go watch Dunkirk. Overrated. <laughs> Did you actually watch it? I'm Lord? just baiting you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I that that movie it, it it even the Irish part of me was 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 shedding a tear for the British at that point. Well, it, it was a really good movie. Just as a personal aside, I was reading some reviews and prep for the interview this morning and uh I was really psyched to see this film in the theater, but I heard there's scenes of waters fill, of water filling up boats. And I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. I'd have to check myself. This out. is one of the most intense movies I've I'm ever watched. I'm very claustrophobic. Yeah, it is. It. I would, in fact, but I would describe the movie as claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh, yes. Steve, what would you say? Yeah. So I, I would say the only danger with Dunkirk at this point is don't have your hopes too high because you know when I get really jacked up like this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. Sometimes I'm disappointed even when the movie's a ten. Right. Uh, so just keep your expectations low. But for what it does, uh, it just it does it perfectly. And what I love about it is, in contrast to one of the most common criticisms of Christopher Nolan, who you know takes two yeah. and a half hours to to walk down the street, uh, he, it, it gets in and gets out quickly. It's only an hour and forty minutes and talk about the common good i mean it this movie communicates what is beautiful true and good better than any any hollywood picture um of this type that i i can remember in, in recent history and all of the complaints that i hear when people actually say why they don't like it i actually think it shows what the movie's trying to do so they're like well there's no backstory and you're like right because what it wants to do is focus in a in a lean, mean way on the actual action of that's going on. Well, we don't have any scenes of, like, generals or Churchills talking about things. And you're like, yeah. well, because it's not about them. Well, we don't even really get to know the characters. They're almost all almost sort of, like, fam- faceless members of the of the British. And you're like, right, because they did this together, right? It's, it's the, the community that did this and not any individual person. We don't even see the Germans. I'm like, right, because the real enemy in this, in, in this story is not the Germans themselves, but, like, the people facing their fears I, I just thought and like you said you don't want to over pump a movie i'm not trying to say that like it's 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 fantastical or like technically something you've never seen i'm just so impressed by like nearly every decision he made when it came to telling the story and like you said telling it so economically Yes, and and one of this one of the things this movie does without being didactic, it really really displays virtue and obviously the virtue of you know being a, the heroic duty to to be courageous in the face of certain death or the possibility of death or or drowning or whatever that that's obvious. Um, but one of the things I was struck by watching it is it tells you know the story of the the Battle of Dunkirk from three points of view through the air in a short period of time through the sea in a pretty short period of time and then from the beach where they're waiting to be evacuated, hopefully, they hope, uh, over the course of a week. And what struck me was 
what what patience must have been required first of all from like the uh, the Kenneth Branagh character who's who's trying to evacuate these men and he himself has to remain but also from the men just standing and waiting to be bombed or to be evacuated and what it must have taken to maintain the strength to to just stand there and realize that this is out of your control um just just a great movie well what sounds so harrowing is that they could see their own country right they could see england across the channel and so that, exactly. that longing for country and for home but like you said what stands between them and that experience and you and you saying that i mean that's kind of what we're all about you know in our lives we 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 know the journey's long we don't know how long but really the journey's short we don't know how short mm-hmm. and we all see home in a in a in a blurry way but we have to kind of wait to see how we'll be uh, delivered there hopefully this is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We're speaking with the Catholic movie guy, Steve Wickmer. Well, Steve, I think that brings up uh, a movie that I know both of us like, uh, and like is not even the right word, just utterly impressed with, especially when it comes to, uh, if, if, you, if you just sort of describe what the movie's about, it, it, you would go, really, you're impressed by this movie. But Baby Driver, who's by, uh, it's Edward Wright, uh, correct? Edgar. Edgar Wright. Uh, who has made other um, funny genre commentary movies like Hot Fuzz, uh, Shaun of the Dead, some of these things maybe people have seen. He takes on the sort of crime heist, uh, getaway fast car movie, but makes it something completely different and just just fantastic f- for its depth uh, in connection with what, what beautiful way that you, what the, the spectacle that you see on the screen. Yes, and I just want to get out of the way, you know, uh, this is not the, the type of movie that you would see indiscriminately. It's, it's very, very violent, and the language is, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it can assault the eardrums at times. There's profanity. So with those advisors, uh, provisos out of the way. I would quote Bill Simmons, who uh, I don't know if your audience is familiar with, but he's a mostly sports writer, who said, just saw Baby Driver. I give it 24 out of 10. Uh, that's, that's the feeling I had when I came out of this movie. I mean, obviously Dunkirk is a much deeper, uh, broad and broader at the same time, uh, movie on a serious subject. You know, I'm not, you know, you can't compare that sort of thing to Baby Driver, but just for pure enjoyment level, I can't remember a movie I've seen the last several years that I came out of the theater more excited about. Well, the thing that is hard to describe is... On the one hand, of course, this is about criminals and even Baby, the the main character, who is a guy, by the way, he's a young man. Like That's part of the deal is figuring out why he's called Baby. Um, even though he himself is like caught up in this criminal world, I just want to point out that this might be one of the most innocent, wholesome demonstrations of a love story that I've ever seen. Like, his relationship... That this budding courtship with uh, the, the Deborah, the the girl that he loves, I have to admit it's been a long time since I've seen a, a couple on screen that I wanted so bad to like be able to get together and get married and raise kids. All the while, where you're like, oh right, this is a crime movie, and that kid who can be so sweet and genuine to this this you know young lady also has just you know drove like 150 miles an hour to to bail out these bank robbers but i was really impressed with elements like that like you really could believe this main character uh you know cared for his sweetheart loved his stepdad all wrapped up in this movie that like you said is half just uh pedal to the metal spectacle as well 
Yeah, and that that's one of the reasons that, you know, people like, why would you want to watch a movie about you know, criminals doing a bank robbery heist? Well, part of the, the draw of movies about uh, criminals, movies about the mafia, even war movies in a way, is that the extreme uh, evil of the situations that they, they find themselves in, the milieu general, generally, provides such a, a sharp contrast of background to the displays of virtue that the characters actually have. So in this movie, you know, yeah, it's a, it's just a very winsome romance. It's believable too, but there's no hint of innuendo. There's no hint of any impropriety whatsoever. I mean, it's almost it's one of the more traditional looking type of courtships, you know, of the of the of modern era that I've seen in, in a Hollywood film. I mean, it puts a, a romantic comedy to shame, as far as um, the believability of the romance and also the uh, the the romanticness of 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 their situation. So. Yeah, I think that it, it, it's it's great that he didn't feel the need to, you know, go the easy route with these characters and how they might actually behave most people in 2017 to display their love for one another. I think this relates to what you guys are saying about Baby Driver, but if I could step back to Dunkirk, it seems like today, and maybe it's because there's so many films out there, that some of the best movies being made are by directors who who understand a genre and then do something unique with it. So... I'm really intrigued by what you guys were saying about how economical Dunkirk is. That, you know, like, there's almost this idea for a while that to be a good war film, it had to be epic and three hours long. This one is really sparse, and it cuts out sort of like the behind the scenes, the generals, like, hashing things out. And that gives you a completely different perspective on the war experience. I mean, spoiler alert, but I read in one of the reviews that the movie ends with Churchill's famous speech about, like, returning back to to win the victory but it's being read by one of the soldiers right right and it gives a completely different um sort of understanding and perspective on that speech and how it was heard by the british people yeah and i agree like i think one of the the common problems today is that movies are just getting too long again uh it's something that Bo and i joked about i think talking about the sound of music on my podcast that there was a time where you felt like you had to have a two and a half hour movie to get your money's worth yeah. i don't know if we've kind of come back to that but some of the movies like like wonder woman you could chop 20 20 minutes half an hour off that movie easily and i don't think it would suffer whereas a movie like uh you know godfather 2 is three and a half hours and i would i wouldn't mind if they went on another half an hour so i think that every movie should be exactly as long as what you're trying to do as a as a director and christopher nolan i think nailed it here like i said he's usually in your two and a half hour movie category but he saw what 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 he wanted to do with dunkirk and he did it as quickly as possible and didn't waste a moment or uh, or miss a moment. Well, and in, with Baby Driver, I think Bud, you're right. So Wright, the, the director, and he and he write. He's a writer director. He is so on the nose about like not he he's not subverting the genre where he's like, look how stupid this genre is. But he takes what you're expecting, but and then uses it and and winks at it a bit, but in a way that makes you make makes these fantastic points. So you know, Kevin Spacey's in uh, Baby Driver and. My brother's favorite part is when he's, not to read too much, but he's, like, telling them what to do while he's uh, making a map on the chalkboard. And he goes, like, I was telling you all this, and I made a perfect map. He says it a little <laughs> more risque than that. But the point is, like, yeah, people do that in movies all the time where they're multitasking, and they do both things perfectly. Yeah. So, you know, exactly what you said was missing from the Planet of the Apes, this has in spades. It's willing to sort of laugh at the, the sort of artifice that a genre has. But it also really uses the artifice of the genre really well. Because, you know, the thing about a car 
chase movie is like it's intense and you're like where are we going to go and is he going to get out and you go oh well that's sort of a, a metaphor for what we think about the main character baby like is he going to get out of all this is he going to outrun uh, uh, the circumstances that have put him here uh, I mean it's right he just he nails all of it and I, I'm just I'm impressed when someone like you said knows what they're doing with a movie and just focuses on that rather than filling it with stuff or, or things that he thinks the audience will want to hear. Exactly. And uh, both of you made good points that made me think one thing that all these movies that we've talked about, um, maybe with the exception of Despicable Me 3, have in common is that they're all pretty irony-free. Not that there isn't any winking, like you said, or you know, not that they take themselves too seriously. Some, I would argue, do, like the Planet of the Apes movie. Some justifiably take themselves seriously, like Dunkirk. But they're all kind of free. We're just, as a culture, we, we just can't do anything without it being jaded. We can't do anything without it being yeah. soaked in sarcasm. And all of these movies uh, love their subject matter, take it seriously, and they don't, they're not just, you know, playing a joke on the audience. And I think that that's part of the reason why all of them, to a greater or lesser extent, have been very successful, not just critically, but also uh, at the box office. I think that that's a really interesting way to put it because. I think a good movie you can do two ways. You can either we I think we like movies where the uh, the writer and directors love the characters. I think there's some especially comedies where if they despise the characters it can work out. But movies that despise the audience, whether they intentionally do that or not, I think that that's where we go astray a lot. A, a lot of movies that you say fall into this irony trap really come back to that they don't appreciate their audience at all. And, and, yep. it, and, and it, it really is the sort of source of why a lot of art is bad and that, like so much of it misses out on teaching us about virtue and vice is because if you hate the audience, you don't think that they can um, inhabit the characters that you show before them. Do you have a prime example of that, like a film that hates its audience or despises its audience? Oh, I shouldn't say things that I don't immediately think of. Steve, do you have one, obviously? I mean, I think Batman <laughs> it, for Superman hates its audience. I don't think it meant to, but it, like the way that it just tries to cram 15 stories in one and explain everything, yeah. I just felt like it, they thought I was dumb the entire time. Yeah, and it might not even be... Uh, a hatred, but a kind of an, an indifference. So it's yeah. just like here, take your you know, take your slop and uh, and eat it, and you'll enjoy it. You know, it, I, I don't know. Uh, I, an example didn't come to mind uh, because I think we've had we've had a pretty good run here um, of movies that that you know are are, are meritorious and that that you know t tell the audience something without talking down to them. Uh, and I, I don't know. It's been a good summer. Hopefully, it'll continue. I was thinking maybe Inconvenient Truth. Oh, <laughs> and I hear there's a sequel there. There is so. a sequel. There is. Or what's the one about uh, some future disaster? Twenty. There's something about. Oh uh, well, I mean, the, the, yeah. There's always a disaster movie like every summer. There's one coming up where like space satellites, like have like fifty thousand uh, natural disasters happening all at once, and that is definitively a movie where I'm like, oh, they hate me. Yeah. I should just give them twenty dollars <laughs> to leave me alone. The alien reboots are really. <laughs> dark and cynical i think well that's probably yeah. true well we steve we're actually running out of time um it's been great uh let everybody know where they can uh listen to you again catholicmovieguy.com tell your friends and your enemies yeah <laughs> steve will take both hey steve just real quick <laughs> uh with the cardinals right now buy or sell <laughs> 
uh, buy a new manager, <laughs> give the other one to Goodwill because he won't sell. I mean, he seems like a wonderful man, but he has to go. He's out. <laughs> All right, thanks, Steve. Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy. Uh, thanks for being on air. Hey, but it was obviously a fun show because we've yeah. pretty much run up to the very end of our uh, show. So, like we always want to point out, Catholic Radio, Iowa Catholic Radio, is not just uh, it's not just entertainment. It's a ministry. It's a ministry that you can be a part of. We would love to have you be a part of it. And a way you can do that, of course, is by donating, uh, letting us uh, know that you are uh, with us uh, on what we're doing. We we received a lot of really great feedback on our listener survey. We want to say thank you to everybody who pointed that out. But if you want to be a part of Iowa Catholic Radio and what we're doing here, we would love uh, for you to do that, and you can do so by donating and helping us um, print all the John Leonetti paraphernalia <laughs> that we're starting to sell. On the drive over to the studio, the rosary is playing. I thought that's really cool. Uh, the rosary leads up to our show now at 930, so kind of grounded in prayer before we get in here and do the uncommon good. And we also have uh, Read the Bible in a Year every morning at 5 a.m., uh, we got a lot of stuff going on that we're really proud and happy to be a part of, and so we just want to thank everybody for uh, all the participation that they do. Well, but any parting words before we send people off? Uh, I know we've thrown a lot of movies yeah. at them, and uh, but I am not lending them any money. Well, I apologize in a way because I had my dates mixed up, and I thought we were talking about the Bible this morning, but if I would have remembered it was the Catholic movie guy, I would have seen Dunkirk at 10 p.m. last night. <laughs> The British win. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> could how it goes. You should have put that. You should have been like, I just love that the British win. And yeah. we had been like, man, Bud must have seen the entire movie because <laughs> he knew the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that one thing that's nice about Dunkirk is a movie, whenever you know the end of a movie and you still are riveted, like, are they going to make a it? That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Well, it's a really interesting historical moment because it's one of the battles that we remember, but it was a loss, right? It's a retreat. Right. And so. I, I and I think that that's if we had more time to go into it, you could talk about you know Tolkien's idea of the long defeat, yeah. or that like uh, it, it's how we, you know, the, the martyrs are victorious in in being, you know, there, there there is that even though Nolan doesn't press the point, it's bubbling up behind all of it. Well, folks, this has been the uncommon. Good.